0: Hello! Welcome to My Secret Obsession. I'm Cherish Lively, and I have some exciting news. In addition to this podcast, I am beginning another podcast that will feature steamy and ultra-steamy romance novels. These will be available on the platform, Ream Stories. Ream Stories is busy finalizing the ability to upload audiobooks to their site. As soon as it's up, I'll let you know and you can listen to the steamy side of Confessions of a Fallen Good Girl please stop by my page to see what's already available at tinyurl.com slash reamcherish. The ebook is now available on Amazon. So, get comfy, turn up the volume, and let's read a book. Chapter 26. 2 a.m. Thursday morning. Tyson eased the truck off the interstate and pulled onto the main road. Hotels, restaurants, and stores lined both sides of the street. At this hour, Everything was dark and closed. They'd been lucky that traffic was non-existent, or they never would have made it in time. The FBI would only wait so long for them before they'd make the move on a deal. They were thankful that it had taken a while to communicate with the FBI and get everything organized for the raid. Both men were surprised to see that a deal had only gotten a few hours out of Karisburg area in its quick exodus. But as Tyson and Ryan drove, it became obvious why a deal didn't get further away from D.C., before stopping for the night. Heavy construction had forced traffic into a one-lane highway for miles along busy sections of the interstate. According to news reports and traffic cams, cars had crawled along the interstate for most of the evening. Tyson and Ryan figured a deal had grown frustrated and felt safe enough to stop. At least we didn't have traffic, Tyson said, his white teeth gleaming in the darkness. That's because all the smart people are in bed, Ryan replied. Glancing at his watch. It was just after two. Let's make sure to get out of here before the morning rush. The thought of crawling back to Carrisburg through the morning commute traffic churned acid in his gut. He hated standing still in traffic. He liked to move, get where he needed. Treading in place drove him crazy. Ryan shut the truck door and gazed up at the hotel. It was an economy grade family hotel chain. He was used to the type small, clean rooms with just the necessities. No fancy sheets or high-end toiletries would be found in this place. The automatic doors slid open and hot air blasted them as they entered the hotel alcove and then stepped through the second set of automatic doors into the lobby. Bistro tables and chairs where the complimentary continental breakfast would be served were to the right. A television was set to a news channel with the closed captioning scrolling across the bottom of the screen. To the left, A black woman stood behind the counter in her navy suit jacket and white shirt. Her beautiful braids were styled into an intricate bun at the top of her head. Her eyes grew large as they walked in. Tyson noticed the subtle tremor in her lip as they approached. Tamika Baker knew she'd never forget this night. Most night shifts were boring with nothing special to break up the monotonous hours. She'd often killed time by reading and surfing the internet. But tonight was unlike any other night she'd ever done or hope to do again. Earlier, when the FBI had stalked in and asked for a conference room so they could set up a command center, she hadn't known what to do. Did they have a warrant? Did they need one? Was she supposed to cooperate? It wasn't like she could kick FBI out of a hotel. After inner debate, she figured cooperating would be the best thing. The hotel would probably look bad if she didn't cooperate with the feds on a manhunt. The hotel didn't have a conference room, so she set them up in the employee lounge. She wasn't sure what she'd do when the morning employees showed up and started asking questions. She hoped this mess would be over by then. She knew the two men who walked towards her now had to be with the FBI group. At least, that's what she hoped. Swallowing hard, she asked, "'Welcome. How may I help you?' Tamika did her best to paste on a smile, but she felt her lip tremble as she pressed her lips together. "'What if they were with the terrorist? Ryan stood back a little from the counter. He didn't want to crowd the woman who was obviously already nervous. They wore bulletproof vests, so he was certain they looked bulkier than the average hotel guest, and they were carrying, although the guns were not in view. Tyson casually rested an arm on the counter and smiled at Tamika. She was attractive. Smooth dark skin, big brown eyes, and a sweet voice. Tyson read her name tag and then made eye contact. Hi, Tamika, he started. We're looking for Agent Moore. Relief swept over Tamika. She nodded her head. Of course. Please follow me. She stepped from behind the counter and led the men down the hallway until they came to a door with a sign that read Hotel Personnel Only. She stopped and studied the two men again. I put them in the work lounge? She pointed to the door, as if signaling to what lay behind it. Pulling open the door, she led them down a shorter hallway until they came to a door with a sign that was labeled Lounge. Tamika wasn't sure if she should knock on the door or just go in. Typically, she'd just enter, but she didn't want to see anything she wasn't supposed to see or get shot for barging into a room full of commando types. Giving a nervous smile, she rapped on the door and waited. Folding her hands in front of her, she paced on her smile and glanced between Ryan and Tyson as she waited for the door to open. Tyson felt bad for the woman. He'd pegged her in her early twenties, probably just out of college. She clearly wanted to do the right thing, but had never been prepped for dealing with FBI agents commandeering a hotel. Agent Moore stepped to the door when he heard the knock. One layer of stress that froze the muscles in his shoulder blades melted away. Now that he had everything prepped and the plan was in place, he wanted to move. At least he hadn't had to wait too long for the security team to show up. He opened the door to see a nervous Tamika and the two men from Savage Security. Tamika moved to the side and extended her hand towards Tyson and Ryan. "'These men would like to see you?' she said politely. She was doing her best to be professional, but her nerves had her stomach in knots. Agent Moore cleared his throat and said to Tamika, "'Thank you.' His voice was gruff and scratchy from the years he'd spent smoking a pack a day. Then, facing Tyson and Ryan, he added, "'Glad you're here. Come in.' The men joined him in the room, and with a nod to Tamika. Agent Moore shut the door. He'd already known what the two savage security agents would look like since he'd seen their pictures, along with a summary of their skills and an email. I'm Agent Moore, happy to be working with you on this. The happy part was a gross exaggeration of his feelings concerning their assistance, but he knew what to say to make things go more easily. Tyson extended his hand to Agent Moore. He'd peg him at mid-fifties, for the most part physically fit, but the beginning of a pudge was claiming residence right around his belt. The stench of cigarette smoke wafted from him. Tyson Smith and my partner, Ryan Marks. The men exchanged handshakes. Agent Moore's deep voice rasped. I hear you men have a personal connection to this. That was the only reason they'd waited for them before going in. They'd been set for a few minutes, but he knew they would arrive soon. He would want to witness the downfall of his cell if it was going after him. Of course. That would also mean that they probably shouldn't be involved. But the men from Savage Security apparently knew the right people. Yes, Ryan said as he studied the people in the room. There was a lone woman in the group. Everyone was dressed in fatigues, complete with gloves, knee pads, and utility boots. Their bulletproof vests identified them as FBI, and they also carried extra ammunition. Each agent wore a helmet and held an MP5. They looked ready for battle. It was probably overkill. But then again, one could never have too much ammo or too many weapons. The agent stared back at Ryan and Tyson. Ryan gave a polite head nod in greeting. We want to see justice, and we have a few questions we'd like to ask the couple before you process them. Agent Moore moved his lips in a way that made his mustache appear to do the wave. Nothing physical, he said. He didn't want this operation going to hell and everything they learned from it poisoned by illegal acts. He tended to believe the rumors that people working off the books occasionally crossed the lines by confusing black and white for gray. Of course not, Tyson replied. We just want to talk to them. Agent Moore nodded and crossed his arms over his broad chest. My people will be present at that talk. Tyson's head bobbed up and down. Wouldn't want it any other way, he smoothed out. He was pretty laid back so he'd perfected the way of spreading the chill to neutralize issues before they became problems. Just tell us the plan, and we're good to go. He was pretty laid back, so he'd perfected the way of spreading the chill that neutralized issues before they became problems. Just tell us the plan, and we're good to go. Agent Moore motioned to the table in the middle of the room. They made their way over to it. A schematic of the hotel floor plan was spread out on the table. Agent Moore tapped a beefy finger on the schematic. We've marked the rooms with customers. The red star is, of course, the Shaw's. The blue dots are other guests. The Shaw's are in room 308. A red star marked the rectangle that represented the room on the schematic. There is a single businessman in the room beside them on the left. Agent Moore pointed to the blue dot that was stuck beside the red star. On the other side of the Shaw's, the room is empty. As you can see from our graphics, a family is in the room directly above the Shaw's, while the room below them is vacant. Along the hallway on the schematic, Tyson noted a few other rooms with blue dots, but none in the immediate area of the Shahs. What are you doing about the civilians? He tapped on one of the blue circles. We will contact those in the immediate area and remove them to a safe zone. As long as their evacuation goes smoothly, they will not be in danger. Agent Moore was conflicted. Removing all the guests would be the safest thing to do, but that may alert the Shahs to trouble, which could cause bigger problems. No one knew if Adil Shaw was armed. Agent Moore was taking a calculated risk that he hoped wouldn't bite him in the ass. Tyson appreciated the man's optimism, but he knew from experience that missions didn't go the way you hoped. Agent Moore finished explaining the plan and gave Tyson and Ryan headsets so that they could be in on the communication loop with the federal agents who would storm the room. Tamika drummed her well-manicured nails on the counter as she stood behind the computer with the phone to her ear she tried to contact her boss several times already, but he wouldn't answer. She'd left messages, but he hadn't returned her calls. Biting her bottom lip, she dialed his number again. It went to voicemail. After leaving another brief message, she mumbled, Damn, and hung up. He must have turned off his ringer. When this was all over, at least she wouldn't be accused of not trying to contact a higher-up. But the only numbers she'd found for her higher-ups were work numbers, which didn't do her any good in the middle of the night. Tamika startled when Agent Moore stepped up to the counter. His bulky body and macho persona intimidated her. He reminded her of an aged cowboy or sheriff from a western. He looked like the kind of man to shoot a rattler, skin it for a belt, and chomp away at the meat without a moment's notice. So, for her comfort, she forced herself to think of him as a grandpa rocking on the porch instead of a dangerous man. "'Yes?' she said, staring at him. How can I help you? She tried not to stare at his graying mustache, but it was distracting the way it twitched with every movement of his lips. Agent Moore wanted to allay her fears, but he didn't like that she was calling people. The last thing he needed was for a television news truck to set up in the hotel parking lot. Who are you calling? He knew he sounded gruff, but sometimes he had to lay down the law. Tamika didn't like the accusation in his scratchy voice or the way his bushy eyebrows rose as he spoke to her. My boss, I didn't mention you or your men. I only said that I needed him to call because of a work emergency. Agent Moore narrowed his eyes. You do understand that we can't have this hit the news channels before we have the suspects in custody. People could get hurt. Of course, she said, straightening her spine. Did the man think she was an idiot? The last thing she wanted was a news truck filling the parking lot and recording her potential demise. She knew she wasn't qualified to handle this situation. The hotel should probably have a lawyer present, or at least someone with more experience than her, but she couldn't get a hold of anyone. Believe it or not, I want this to be over even more than you, and I'd like to still be employed tomorrow, she added with spunk. Agent Moore scoffed. Yeah, you and me both. He couldn't wait for this to be over, so he could take a nice, long drag of a cigarette. The pack rubbed his chest like sandpaper as his movement shifted the pack in his shirt pocket. Let's make some phone calls. He slid a piece of paper across the counter towards Tamika. You can read from that. Tamika scanned the paper. Agent Moore had scripted a dialogue for her to use with the guests. Everything seemed straightforward. With a weak smile, she nodded her head and dialed the number for the room above the Shaw's. Hello? A woman's groggy voice answered with a hint of worry. Calls in the middle of the night were never a good thing. Tamika perked up and said, Hello, Mrs. Chung. This is Tamika Baker from the front desk. I'm so sorry to disturb you, but there's been an incident. We need to move your family to another room. Mrs. Chung glanced at the clock and interrupted. You do know it's the middle of the night, right? We don't want to move. My kids are asleep. I understand, Tamika said, and returned to the script. There are FBI agents in the hallway right now. They will knock on your door and assist you and your family to a better room. If you could do this as quickly and quietly as possible, we'd appreciate it. Please feel free to return to a bed in the new room. As if anyone would go back to sleep after being shuffled around the hotel by FBI agents. FBI agents? Mrs. Chung asked, sitting up in bed and tapping her husband on the shoulder. Tamika could hear her telling her husband to get up. Agent Moore hit the comms button and gave the two-man team at the Chung's door the signal to knock. The light knock had Grace Chung's head snapping to the door. Putting the phone back on the receiver, she got out of bed and made her way to the door. Pressing her eye to the peephole, she saw two men in bulletproof vests standing on the other side of the door. Her heart pounded at the realization that something bad was happening. Agents in vests don't show up in the middle of the night for no reason. Opening the door, Grace said, "'Yes, please come in.' Her voice shook as she signaled the men into the room. Adrenaline flooded her system and gave her the shakes. "'Let me grab my purse.' She wasn't leaving the room without her wallet. She didn't know how long this would take, or if they'd need their credit cards or identification. An Chung scratched his balding head and shoved his wallet into his wife's purse. "'Do we take our stuff?' he asked the agents. "'No,' the taller agent replied. Let's get the kids and go. He pointed with his thumb over his shoulder. Ann pulled back the covers on the kids' bed. Both children still slept with their stuffed animals clutched to their chests. Grace, you get June. I'll get Len, he stated, his voice full of concern. Ann slipped his hands under the boy's arms and pulled him close to his chest. The boy's legs dangled awkwardly, so he adjusted his hold to ease the carrying of the kindergartner. Grace walked around the bed and lifted June into her arms. The toddler was easy to carry when she got her on her hip. The child's face rested on her mother's shoulder. Grace was thankful that she'd stayed asleep and hadn't started crying. This way, the taller agent whispered, leading the family out of the room. The shorter agent followed from the rear. They led the family to a room on the first floor on the other side of the hotel. Agent Moore tapped the next room number. Call this one, he said to Tamika. Tamika noted the room and checked the name on her computer. This was the single businessman. She pushed in the buttons and repeated her spiel when he answered. Tyson, Ryan, and the four-man assault team waited in an empty hotel room at the end of the hall on floor three. Most of the agents shifted their weight on their feet, while a few paced in the small room as they waited for the guests to be moved to a safe zone. Adrenaline primed their bodies for the takedown. Agent Moore spread out the schematic on the counter and confirmed that all the civilians near the Shaw's room had been moved. Looking at Tamika, he said, Almost done. He gave Tamika a soothing smile. Considering her age and inexperience, she'd handled this situation with professional courtesy. Tamika forced her lips into a smile and gave a nod. "Uh Uh-huh, she replied. Her heart hammered in her chest. She still hadn't heard back from her boss. When this was all over, she would have a hell of a story to tell her friends. Agent Keith Tyler listened to Agent Moore through his earpiece and replied, copy that, rolling his shoulders. Agent Tyler looked at his team and said, go time. The agents quickly fell into formation and silently filed into the hallway. Agent Tyler led his team down the hallway towards the Shaw's room. They came to a stop outside room 308. Agent Tyler stopped at the door and the second man in line stopped at the other side of the door. The men paused, listening for movement in the Shaw's room. Tyson loved this part. The takedown was always intense. Adrenaline flooded and exhilaration sped through his body like supercharged particles soaring through space. Agent Tyler slipped the keycard into the door lock. The light in the lock turned green. As Agent Tyler eased open the door, the other agent beside the door slipped the bolt cutters through the opening and cut the chain. The chain broke apart, and Agent Tyler pushed the door fully open. Go, he whispered and stalked into the room with the stealth and speed of a panther. Tyson and Ryan entered the room behind Agent Tyler's team. The Shaws were in bed. Both slept on their sides with their backs toward each other. Amani Shaw slept with one arm under her pillow to support her head. Adil slept with a hand hidden under the pillow near his face. Adil Shaw snored. The loud noise was almost humorous if it wasn't for the awkward situation that was playing out. The Shaws were unaware of the assault team surrounding their bed, like a herd of hungry seals circling sleeping penguins on an ice float. Three agents encircled the bed on each side, their guns in position. Agent Tyler was closest to Adil Shah's head. After confirming with silent head nods to his team around the bed, he barked, FBI, and moved to subdue Adil. Amani screamed when she saw the horrifying men in assault gear bearing down on them. Three guns were focused on her. In fear, she pushed herself against the headboard. The loud words startled Adil, and he went for the glock that was tucked under his pillow. Agent Tyler saw the metal of the glock as Adil slipped it from under the pillow. Bad idea, he said, landing a punch to Adil's jaw and snatching the glock from him. No, Amani screamed and threw herself over her husband. Shrieking with the tears streaming down her face, she begged, Please don't hurt him. Please don't hurt him. Her life had fallen apart. She'd been a good wife, she took excellent care of the home, worked tirelessly to please her husband, and raised obedient children. She didn't deserve to have her life destroyed, but her husband had been her downfall. No matter how much she loved him, she was never enough. His anger and hatred always crushed her love and sent him down a path of destruction. Now, what would become of her? Adele Shaw's jaw throbbed from the punch, and the shrieks of his wife screeched in his ears. He saw the men, their guns, and realized he was finished. There was no way for him to get out of this. Fleeing hadn't helped. Somehow, they'd found him. Had his wife slipped up and told that busybody neighbor of theirs what was happening when he left for the ATM? Tyson pulled Amani Shaw off her husband. Stop it, he ordered. There was no mistaking the order in the big black man's words. Amani draped her legs over the bedside and crossed her arms over her breasts. Her whole body shook with fear and shame. Subconscious about exposing her large chest to the men in the room through her pajama top, she gripped the thin comforter and covered herself, never making eye contact with the men. Anger threaded its way into Adil's veins and filled him with an overwhelming need to fight. With the scream of a warrior, he threw himself at the man who'd punched him. Agent Tyler blocked Adil's effort and flipped him onto the floor. Settling his knee into Adil's back, he ripped a set of heavy-duty flexi-cuffs from his waist and secured Adil's hands behind his back. Adil gasped to regain the breath that had been knocked out of him on impact. His head throbbed in response to being slammed into the floor. Amani's screams returned, making him feel powerless. He was captured, like a worthless piece of shit to be discarded. Tyson hated that he had to be so gruff with the woman, after talking to her neighbor, he realized that Amani Shah was a victim of her husband, too. She had no power over him, no way to force him to assimilate into a culture that he despised. Watch her, Tyson said to the agent beside him. Tyson knew she was embarrassed about being in her pajamas the way she covered her chest. He wanted to give her the comfort of modesty if he could. Walking around the bed, he made his way to the closet. He pulled open the door and was disappointed but not surprised that there wasn't a bathrobe hanging on a hanger. This hotel wasn't that nice, but there was a coat. Pulling the woman's coat off the hanger, he carried it to her. Amani kept her eyes on the carpet. She heard the men talking with a deal and hated the panic in his voice as he replied. She couldn't bear to look over her shoulder at him and see him like this. She'd known he was involved in bad stuff. But 24 hours ago, she'd never expect the FBI to arrest her husband let alone track them down through the middle of the night. Suddenly, her coat appeared in front of her, blocking her view of the floor. Here, put this on, Tyson said, holding out her coat towards her. Giving her some dignity could go a long way towards gaining her trust and cooperation. Then, pointing to a chair beside the little table by the window, Tyson said, Sit there, raising her head. Amani's caramel eyes, now red from tears, took in the black man's face. For as big as he was, there was a kindness in his eyes that eased some of her fear. She'd met violent men before, and they'd seldom shown any kindness at all. She reached out and took the coat, slipping her hands through the arms and pulling it close around her. Thank you, she mumbled and sniffled. Ryan pulled a to standing. With one hand wrapped around his arm, Ryan said, We have some questions for you. He guided Adele across the room to sit at the table with Amani. Adil plopped into the chair. "'You can't do this,' he seethed. Spittle flew from his mouth and landed on his scraggly beard. He moved his jaw around, working through the discomfort. "'That's where you're wrong,' Ryan said. He stood with his arms crossed over his broad chest. "'Surely you knew the consequences for your actions "'before you got involved with the dangerous people "'that you've been calling friends.'" Adil stared with hatred at the Americans surrounding him. They thought they were powerful. That they could squash the network of cells that was popping up in the States. But that would be impossible. They were more like him. Even if they got rid of him, another would take his place. I want a lawyer, Adil said. The agents chuckled, their shoulders rising and falling with the action. Ice encircled Adil's heart. I want a lawyer, he screamed. The sole female agent in the assault team took her place beside Amani. Agent Kara Copeland had conflicting emotions battling inside her. The woman before her was a pathetic mess. Tears trailed down fleshy cheeks. Red swollen eyes looked at her with hope. And a heaving chest betrayed her fear as she struggled to stop her tears. Agent Copeland knew there was nothing she could do to help the woman. She'd been unlucky enough to marry a man who wanted to hurt people. And since she hadn't left him... She ended up being one of the people that he hurt. Agent Copeland cleared her throat. Mrs. Shaw, you will come with us. Amani stared at the woman dressed for what seemed like war. Had she and her husband truly needed such a response? Did a middle-aged couple really scare the Americans so badly that this assault team had been warranted? How bad was her husband? Amani nodded in agreement. She wouldn't fight them. It would do her no good and could end up hurting her chances for a deal. At this moment, she realized that she needed to do what was best for her children. She wouldn't defend a deal's behavior just to see herself end up in prison. She could end up locked away from her children and the grandchildren that she prayed would arrive one day. Amani stood, clutching her coat closed, and glanced at her husband as she left him to deal with the fallout of his choices. He'd controlled her past. She wouldn't let him destroy her future. Adil saw the hurt in Amani's eyes. He hadn't wanted to hurt her. He'd convinced himself that they were invincible, that they wouldn't get caught. But he'd been wrong. The four agents left in the room, tossed their helmets onto the bed. Two of the men started to dig through Adil's things. A tall redhead stood by the chair his wife had just exited. As Adil sat at the foot of the bed, he stared at the two men hovering around him. He realized that he'd recognized them from savage security. He scoffed at his ignorant gratitude for getting to work with Hazim on the revenge plot against the Americans for the attack in Afghanistan. The black man was Tyson Smith, and the white man with the red hair was Ryan Marks. Ryan rolled his shoulders, crossed his arms, and took his time critiquing Adil Shah. The middle-aged man's dark hair was sprinkled with more salt than pepper, and the beard was a mess. Ryan didn't know why some men thought those scraggly long beards looked good. To him, all he saw was a man too lazy to do the basics of human grooming. And Adil's dark brown eyes were lightened by the dark bags that drooped from his eyes. Tyson hovered beside Adil, letting the man feel the heat and anger roll off of him. A little fear always made an interrogation go more smoothly. He found it loosened tongues and kept things honest. Ryan pulled out a chair and sat. He drummed his fingers on the table and then adjusted his body to a more comfortable position in the chair. Mr. Shaw, do you know who I am? He took in a deep breath, letting his chest expand so that he looked bigger. If they'd been targeted by the group, then Adil would know who they were. Adil's heart thrummed and clenched. He struggled to breathe. They'd connected him to Hazim too quickly. Perhaps he'd been spotted in the parking lot of Savage Security. But that was unlikely. He didn't think he'd been close enough for the cameras to pick him up. The only other option was that Hazim had talked. Ryan saw the fear in Adil's eyes as he speechlessly stared at him. The man's life as he knew it was over. Adil swallowed hard, the action popping his eardrums. As he opened and closed his mouth, his beard tickled his exposed skin at the top of his T-shirt. You work for Savage Security, he mumbled, glancing to the side. He eyed the black man who blocked his view of the other agents as they searched his room. Should he mention Hazim? What if by some miracle they didn't have him? What if someone else had talked? Ryan tilted his head up in appreciation and confirmation of Adil's statement. I think you know more than that. I think you know our names. Adil narrowed his eyes in anger at the redhead. You're Ryan Marks. Turning his head, his gaze cut to the black man beside him. You're Tyson Smith. Ryan's lips curved up at the edges to form a small smile. Now that we've exchanged niceties, why don't you give us some more names? Adil's stomach churned. He didn't trust these men. He'd read their dossiers. They'd do anything to save the lives of their people. Adil felt the acid ascend his throat. He threw himself forward and emptied his stomach on the carpet at their feet. Damn. Tyson snorted and shook his head as he looked at the chunky puddle. Got some splatter, he said, pointing to Ryan's boot. Damn it, Ryan hissed and glared at Adil. He hated vomit. The stench always tickled his need to vomit, too. But at least now they knew that this would be easier than they thought. Adil couldn't hold his shit together during the preliminaries. No way in hell he could withstand intimidation during an interrogation. A deal would be hating life once things got serious. Thank you for sharing your time with me. I hope you enjoyed these chapters. New episodes drop on Tuesdays and Fridays. To keep up with the various novels and authors that we will feature, you can follow My Secret Obsession on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Cherish Lively, or visit the website at tinyurl.com slash CherishLively. Goodbye.